Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a bi-weekly podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming and the topics that affect the board game community. In episode nine, the Punchboarders talk about their recent plays, reach into the mailbag to answer a tough question, discuss gameplay resolutions, and review Capstone's newest release, Carthago. Hi, everyone. I'm Clef. I'm Chad. I'm Richie. Well, guys, listeners, if you're listening to this, you probably know by now that uh, we have had technical difficulties, and this is our second try at this. So, you know, I I feel really bad, actually, because I think I cursed us. I talked about us on the episode that will not be released and is lost in time now. <laughs> I said that uh, that we had a great episode last episode and it was edited really well and thanked Richie and and I just totally blew it. I, I cursed well, us. So technically, I totally I blew it. Well, it wasn't Richie's fault either. Let's be clear. And we're my point is we're very lucky to have Richie doing the editing because. Again, like I've said, Clef and me are really bad at computers and technical stuff. In fact, I was over at Clef's, oh gosh, a few weeks ago, and he shocked himself changing the batteries in the remote control, and he had to lie down for about a half an hour. So, <laughs> Hey, don't tell everybody about that. Come on. <laughs> we're, we're lucky, so we, we appreciate it anyway. But I, I do have to say, um, for those who listen to us on a regular basis, First of all, thank you. We appreciate it. But also, imagine the most magical Punchboard Paradise podcast that you can possibly imagine. And and that's that's kind of what was lost. So it, we're we're going to try to hit those heights and reattain that. But I mean, it was it was really something special. I was more than my magnanimous, charming self, <laughs> uh, Richie. He was, I mean, he was on point. In fact, he came up with this equation for completely balancing the factions in Gaia Project and and how to bid on those. It was, I know you don't, <laughs> I, I'm sure you probably don't have that, Richie, anymore, but it was No, I lost it, it, but I was impressed with myself. Yeah, oh, I was man. too. It was, it was amazing. Just that moment, he had it and it's gone now. <laughs> yep. Gosh. And Clef, and Clef, I mean, I was really impressed. You had that really great uh, cashew and unicycle joke that was just on point. So, oh gosh, you know. and uh, I can't tell it again. No. So ever gonna be done. So here's the thing: <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get there again, you guys. Just know we're gonna give it our all. Uh, sorry that we lost that magic, but we're we're gonna do our best for you tonight. Yeah. So, well, so thanks for tuning in and hanging with us. Yeah, we we appreciate it. Sorry that we're gonna be a few days. This will be a few days delayed. Well, before you jinx us again, Chad. What have you been playing? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, great. Yep. I won't say anything else. Um, I have not been playing very many games lately because it's the summertime and outside and traveling and all that kind of stuff. But I do want to talk about Altiplano, which you guys have played too. So I'll be interested to hear just a little bit from you guys. But uh, Altiplano is a bag builder, kind of like a deck builder, which was popularized by Dominion. But it is a bag builder in the vein of the game Orléans by the same designer, Reiner Stockhausen. So, uh, so Altiplano is a game of resource conversion with a sort of a, a pick-your-strategy sandbox kind of feel that's somewhat dictated by your particular starting resource and power, kind of like you have a faction that you begin with that has those starting resources. But the game is set in the Andes Highlands, and you're part of a tribe 
that uses your native resources to convert and trade to other resources for victory points, essentially. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a divergence here. I want to I go off track for a second because one of the coolest things in the game is the first player token. It is a pretty large alpaca. Now, I was just in New Mexico, and I can tell you a bunch of interesting trivia that I, I won't go into here now about alpacas, but we, I wanted to upgrade our first player token. We almost took one of those home. Uh, my son <laughs> would have been really excited about it. It was, it was pretty cool. My wife would have been happy because she, she'd just like us to have a zoo here. But I, I almost, if we could fit the alpaca in the CRV, it would have been something else. And apparently they actually make pretty good pets, much better than llamas that do a lot of that aggressive, aggressive spitting and stuff. So <laughs> anyway, we, we didn't end up with one, but it would be cool. It would be a great first player token, I have to say. I uh, I digress. Filling orders in this game and storing things in your warehouse, you're you're trying to draw chits from this bag and you're putting it on your own personal board to take the necessary actions that you want to take. Just like in Orléans, essentially. But the added re wrinkle from Orléans is that you're moving around these plateau spots on the board to be able to take these actions. So you only have so much movement that you're allowed to do unless you make more wagons, which is an action. So you kind of have to plan a bit because you can't always move freely around the board to do that action that you put the chit out on your own personal board to do. Ultimately, that's that's the crux of the game. Ultimately, I will say I wish that this movement thing, though, was tighter and a little bit harder to do. I kind of like the constraints in a game. And so I kind of wish that that part of the game was a little bit more difficult to do. But I will say one thing that this game does particularly well is that you have a three-dimensional little basket that you build when you put the game together that you put your discarded chits in that you, after you've taken them off your board and you've done the action, they go right in, in that basket. And you do not do anything with that basket until you've taken all the chits out of your bag. So it is not like in Orléans when you just take all the, the chits off of your action board and dump them right back in the bag. No, you have to empty your whole bag before it comes, it comes back in. And this makes sure that everything that you have earned always gets drawn rather than missing a few of those chits at the bottom of the bag. And that's a nice thing because it's kind of like a deck builder too. You, with your deck, you go all the way through your deck before you go back through. So you don't miss any of those cards that you might have gotten. But uh, I won't go into too much of it. I'll just say that ultimately, unfortunately, Orle Orleans and its expansion are always going to take precedence over this game. Altiplano is not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. I certainly wouldn't ever want to play it at the five-player count. It's a two-to-five-player game, and I definitely would not want to play it at that five-player count ever. But I will say that although it's interesting and there are things to be done, and you actually can influence other players, which has been an argument. You, some have said it's a lot of multiplayer sol solitaire. On some point it is, but because all the resources that are out there on that that sort of highland setup that you move around the board on because they're all finite. You can take a resource before somebody else can get to it. And that's, that's all that's left in the game. So that's one way of, of manipulating players or kind of messing with players. So it's not completely multiplayer solitaire, but it can feel like that at times. But like I said, ultimately I would say it's not a bad game. It's just not one that can stand next to Orléans and ever be played on top of that for me. 
So I know you guys have played it real quick. Any any thoughts on what I'm saying or feelings on this? Yeah, I totally agree. It it just I would never pass up Orleans for this. And the movement, I was really hoping that that movement would add just, you know, some tension to the game, but it just was not as compelling as I thought it was going to be since it, it just seems like it was pretty easy to get to anywhere you wanted to on the board. So, mm-hmm. you know, li- like you said, it's, it's not a bad game. It's just, you know, just play early on. So, Richie, what have you been playing? I've been playing Shards of Infinity, which I actually picked up at Origins. It's from Stoneblade Games, and Justin Gray is one of the uh, noted designers, and he's also uh, credited with, uh, I believe, designing Ascension as well. And I'm going to describe this game, and then, uh, Chad, I think you should be able to tell me what game this sounds like. Okay. So, uh, it's a deck builder. You And there's this weird fantasy world that I'm not even going to try to explain. They don't really try to explain it in the game. But you start with a deck of 10 cards. And in that deck are crystals, which are the currency for the game. And then they have uh, you get a blaster card, which is it deals damage to your opponent. And then uh, there's a, a shard of infinity, which I'll explain here in a second. But so you get that that deck of 10 cards. Then in between you and the opponent, and it, it this is a two to four player game, but it's really just a two player game. So between you and the opponent is a card row that has six cards in it. And on your turn, you'll play cards out of your hand. So if you play a crystal, then you're you're going to have a, a bank of money that you can then go and buy cards from the card row to add to your deck. And the cards that you're buying are different factions. And I believe the colors are blue, purple, yellow, and green. So those are the four different factions. And what you're trying to do is kind of get the same factions into your deck because uh, when you go to play them, when they get shuffled back into your hand later, when you go to play those uh, during your the play cards phase, they will trigger off each other and become more, more and more powerful. And the whole goal of the game is to kill your opponent. You start with 50 health, and uh, they have another uh, resource called Mastery, which Mastery just improves some of the cards. So like I said, uh, there was a, a card called the Shards of, Shard of Infinity. And on that, there are these uh, Mastery Thresholds when you have in you can get up to 30 mastery so when you have 10 mastery the shard of infinity does like five damage when you get to 15 it does 10 damage and then if you get it to 30 it does infinity damage so if you're able to get your mastery level up to 30 and you get that card into your hand you can just win the game so that's it when you buy a card from the card row a new card flips out you could buy that if you wanted to you spend your resources all everything goes into the discard at the end of your turn you shuffle it up and you keep going until someone dies so chad what game did that sound like to you the newlywed game what do i win Alex? <laughs> no i'm sorry <laughs> that was just a setup uh i would guess it's star realms does that yeah, exactly it kind of sounds like star realms yes okay yep exactly and did you say it was only two player it goes two to four just like star realms claims to play two to four but it's really a two-player game um now I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of giving a little grief since it, it it is basically Star Realms. The only thing that changes is that that mass resource is kind of cool, and also instead of the 
those weird funky cards that they give you in Star Realms to track your health. You get a, a nice player board that's kind of like uh, King of Tokyo to track your health and your mastery. So that is nice. That's a nice upgrade. Uh, but, I mean, really, if you like Star Realms or any deck builder like that, it's you're going to like this one. I would It, it would hard, be hard to justify telling someone who owns Star Realms to go out and buy this, though. I actually would say that I prefer this game because it actually played a little bit quicker because the cards become more powerful because of that mastery uh, a lot faster than they do in Star Realms. So you can kill off your opponents. Like it's, it's a great filler deck builder game, but it it really plays like all of them. <laughs> and so hmm. if you have any of you know Star Realms, uh, Ascension, any of those that are like that, it would be hard to to tell you to go out and get this. But overall, it was an enjoyable game, very much just in the same vein as all of those other games. Yeah, it sounds it sounds a little bit derivative, but it, I mean, if if you like that style, then then it's still it's still a, a good game, I guess. Yeah. But you played it with Jessica, your wife, right? I did, I did, and I lost. And, <laughs> and you lost, <laughs> like always. That's right, just like the newlywed game. <laughs> yeah. um, no, so I'm sorry. So, uh, so wait, so did she enjoy it? And has she played Star Realms? Uh, yes, yeah, she really likes Star Realms. Uh, that okay for uh, you know if we're just sitting around uh, watching. You know, HGTV as we normally do. Uh, that's that's a game that she doesn't mind just busting out and playing. Star Realms, Hero Realms. She likes both of those. So okay. So what do you think? Are you going to keep all those or? I'll hang on to what? it because just because you know it's a card game and it's I, there's no reason to get rid of it. And it was only I think it was like twelve or thirteen bucks. Okay. And like I said, I would if I did not own Star Realms or Hero Realms. And I bought this. That's all I, that I would need because that's that's the one that okay. I'm going to play out of them. Clef, do you play? I, I know you don't like deck builders all that much, do you? I do own Hero Realms, and I don't mind Hero Realms, and I've played Star Realms. Uh, you know, I, I th- it's okay for a quick little, you know, hey, let's just pull these out and yep. kind of build your deck and, and have fun. Uh, I like the Hero, Hero Realms uh, packs that where they kind of give you the different starting so you can be kind of different characters mm-hmm. i kind of find that to be kind of you know just just neat to mess around with those and play different ones i haven't played it but that's what sounds most interesting to me about that that particular game yeah and actually that's another yeah. knock against this game because they they give you these really nice player boards but the, you don't have any special powers and i would think after hero realms mm. did that like even star realms is now folding that in i mean that's from the same company but star realms is folding that in and i mean why not just give each player has some special ability that separates them. But yeah. So yeah, so that's Shards of Infinity. Uh, Clef, what have you been playing? Well, recently uh, I had a couple of friends come over, uh, Josh and Dan, and we decided to play Shakespeare. Uh, now, I hadn't played this in quite a while, so kind of a out-of-the-dust uh, game for me. And this was one of Dan's favorites. Uh, Josh had never played, so Dan's like, yeah, here, I'll, I'll teach this game. Uh, which, boy, uh, Dan, he's the uh, co-host of uh, Across the Board, and he is an excellent teacher. He's he's very thorough and makes sure everybody always knows exactly how to play it, which is nice for me where I kind of had a night off. I didn't have to teach a game. That's, that's always kind of nice. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, we, play, we decided to also play with the expansion backstage. Um, now, the actual Shakespeare game, real quick, it's kind of a card selection worker placement, a little bit of tile building. 
uh, type of game, uh, Euro-y type of game, where each round, the, the uniqueness of it is each round, you have five action discs that you're secretly going to bid with. And like, for instance, let's say you put three of them in your, these are how many I'm going to use, and you'll put them out there, and then you'll have two left behind. And the reason why you don't always bid all of them is because if you kind of overwork your your workers or your cards, then they kind of get exhausted and you can't use them the next round. So you don't always want to use them all. And if you come up with the least number of action discs, you get a victory point, which believe me in this game, an extra victory point is huge because the scores are not very big at all. Um, so when you use these action discs, the bad thing about the original game is, is if you didn't have, use a couple of them or three of them, they just did nothing for you. Well, now in this backstage version, you now have when you whatever discs you don't use, you can use those discs to go to these backstage cards and take different actions. So I really think it made the game much more strategic in the fact that it's not just you trying to get that victory point or just using less ones because you don't want to exhaust too many people. It really made it to, wow, I could really use three discs this time, but... I want to hold three discs back because there's a really cool backstage person that I want to use. So I really feel like the strategic level just took it up a notch with this expansion. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's a must expansion for me. I will. I don't think I'd play this game without the expansion. Even somebody when we taught Josh brand new, we still taught him with the expansion. And he had no problem catching on. That was really cool. It was a really good game. Now... The worst part about this game is it was really close at the end. And when we tallied up all the points, I was ahead by one point. That is the worst. The worst is coming. All right. <laughs> the, that was the best. I was ahead by one point, And we kind of sat there after we tallied up all the points. And the three of us were sitting there talking about the game and just, you know, just kind of doing a little, you know, chit-chatting and stuff. And I'm just, of course, I'm barely listening. I'm just thinking, ha, ha, one, ha, one by point, ah. And then all of a sudden, Dan looks down at his board and goes, oh, I forgot that I had a couple of hats, these costumes that you make. I had had a couple of hats on my people, which gave him two points and gave him the win <laughs> by one point. Oh, man. Do you think, I mean, I like oh. him and all, but do you think he did that on purpose? Did he do that on purpose? <laughs> Just wait for you to bask in the glow for about, yeah. for about oh, two God. minutes. Two minutes oh. of, of so Clef basking boy. in his afterglow. Just to crush you? He shattered it with hats. Uh, yeah. It, you know, that may be. Oh, man. I'm going to have to do a uh, rematch on Shakespeare. <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, see, that's good to know about that expansion, though, because I, I own that expansion. I have not played with it yet, but I, I really need to. We, I, I like it. I don't like that the – and this is just me, Clef. I know you won't agree because you are a staunch Euro player who needs a spreadsheet and cubes and no theme at all. But I it irritates me as somebody who used to be in theater and stuff – uh, that the tracks at the bottom, the yellow, blue, and red track are just tracks. I mean, they didn't even bother to say, this is your playwriting track, or this is your stage manager track, or this is your set design track, or this is your ticket sales track. You know, they didn't do any of that. They could have 
easily just called them something and you could you could add a little more theme to it that's all you needed to do with this because it just made it uh, just a little bit more spreadsheety than it needed to be and there were certain things like that missing in that game now i will say i had a really great play of it with some friends that run and own the shakespeare uh theater in town and do the on the green stuff with us and they had a really great time playing and and like i said there is opportunity for telling stories with this game which i think can be really fun especially with people that don't game as much as we do and they loved it they really got into it you know there is that costuming element that you can do and you can keep putting on shows and and that sort of stuff and we we gave one of the players a hard time the the um, the woman who run the ran the education department for Shakespeare, I kept saying, "Look, you know your your actors are naked. You keeping on these naked Romeo and Juliet shows, these titillating <laughs> performances, and selling all these tickets. You know, uh, you should be ashamed of yourself." But you know, it, it was just fun. It was all in fun. But uh, I'll, I'll have to get that to the table with the expansion because I'm I'm really curious whoa. to see what it adds. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're trying to make me sound like I am completely soulless and don't like any theme in the game and that all I want to do is push cubes around and just figure out mathematical equations. Okay, that's true. Anyway, so that was Shakespeare uh, backstage uh, with the backstage expansion. All right. So, uh, and if anybody wants to see the games that we're playing, we put up all our games, uh, pictures of them on our Instagram page, on our Facebook page, on our Twitter page. Uh, we're constantly putting that between the three of us. It seems like we're at least playing some game every other day or so. So we're always putting up great pictures. If you want to take a look at them, uh, they're up there. And if you like anything, go ahead feel free to like it or... You can go ahead and retweet it or retwitter it or retweetium it or, yeah, anyways, you know what I, what I mean. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. All right, Richie, uh, can you let the listeners know where they can follow us at? Definitely. On Twitter, we're at Punchboarders. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at Punchboard Paradise. And you can swing over to our website at punchboardparadise.com. All right, well... You know what time it is now, Richie. It is mailbag time. All right. So let's go ahead and reach into the mailbag, and we are going to pull out an email from Jamie. And Jamie said, I just listened to a podcast from Heavy Cardboard, and they talked about their philosophy with their gaming mates that have extreme AP, uh, AP being analysis paralysis. They allow each person only one moment of extreme AP, and after that, if they do it again, all the other players will give a hard time to that player while they are stuck in AP. Do any of you have any philosophies for AP in your gaming groups? So not to pick on you, Chad. <laughs> I'm gonna... Gosh dang it. I knew that this was going to come to me. I'm going to throw this question your way first since you uh, tend right. to struggle with AP in our group. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to say yes of all the, all of us I do, but I'm not, I don't think I'm that bad. But I, no, I you're think not that certain bad, no. games will trigger that. Um, but I, I will say... Uh, I, I'm very conscious of it. So I, I think sometimes people with AP have 
have issues where they want to math things out and they don't care. They want to take that time. And I've played with those players too. And in those cases, I try, if I know, I try not to play those kinds of games with them. I played a five tribes game like that, for example, where the gentleman I played with thought there was nothing wrong with taking five or six minutes on each turn to math out that board and look at the very best strategy. Whereas I will look at things, I will look at them and say, Oh gosh, you know, my, I I could do this or I could do that. Nope. You know what? I'm just going to make a decision now, you know, and I won't have mathed it all out. And part of my issue is not my AP, it's my ADD. So (laughs) I will, I will have a strategy, but then, you know, I'll look at a squirrel for a second and I'll be gone and go, wait, what was I going to do with this strategy? Or did I want to go this way? Um, So that's usually my problem with the thing, but I will say in general, um, I do have uh, I do have some issues with certain games, and you know I just have to be conscious of that and make quicker decisions on my own. If there's somebody in the group that does that, in in my group, we'll kind of just say, oh, you know, the, let's uh, let's move it along, or did you need help with anything, or you know, because sometimes it's players that are that are still figuring out a game that I'm teaching or, or that sort of thing. You know, I'll, I can make, here are your options sort of su- suggestions sometimes if I think that that's appropriate and they're okay with that. But in general, uh, it, it can be a problem. I try not to play certain games because of that. Now, I know you love Five Tribes, but it, it does have that problem, right? Oh, definitely. My, I, I did not love for Five Tribes the first time I played it because I played a four-player game. And I was playing at uh, Spielbound, our local gaming cafe. And the three other people that I was playing with, they, they did that. They took about five, five, sometimes ten minutes to, to figure out turns. And I was like, this game is horrible. <laughs> the worst game ever. But then I played it again, um, you know, like a you know a few months later with a group that just, you know, they, they made their turns. You know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and, and it's not that they were rushing through the the game, but they're not going to sit there and math out every turn. And then I loved it. So it, it can have a real effect for me if I'm sitting there just watching someone think. Uh, and Chad is not bad at all. Uh, we would we would definitely say something to him if he actually was. Uh, and usually, the only time you usually struggle with AP is like at the end of the night after we've been playing all day or you've been up all day. So... Right. Yeah, but I, I appreciate that. But yes, there are there are certain games. I mean, we played Merlin, for example, and that again was at the end of the day. And I was looking at like five different options, and I was like, okay, you know, it's it's really bad when somebody. I, I wouldn't call it true AP, but when you have that person that is just sort of looking all over the room, and then when the when it comes to them and it's their turn, they're just looking fresh, you know, completely at the board. <laughs> right. So yeah. that that's the one that's really bad. But Clef, you, I mean, you play some heavier games too, and I know that you've played with some people that definitely have ap how what's your strategy with that i'm not usually one to you know say anything to anybody Uh, i'll just if they need the and there's really to me two kinds of ap there's ap where maybe it's just there's a lot of decisions and maybe you're just kind of struggling on just what is even not necessarily the best move but just a good move and then there's the people who have ap that are literally sitting there looking at every single option that they can do and every single option that you can do and they're taking forever to take their turns. The latter that I just spoke of is the LEP that I have a problem with. I don't mind it when people have a little bit of AP, they're trying to figure some things out and you know, not necessarily are they trying to slow things down. 
but the the heavy AP that I have trouble with now in answer to your question how do you you know what do you do do with it it all depends I mean if I know the person well you, then I'm all, I'm all over trying to give them some jabs and be like you know hey whose turn is it you know what where, where are we stuck at type of thing if I don't know the people or you know if I'm playing like at a board game cafe or something like that um we're probably just going to be quiet and just let them do their AP and maybe try to avoid that person afterwards. That's probably what I would say my, my best suggestion is. Yeah. I would say that uh, that's typically what I would do. I, I mean, at least I'm, I'm not going to play heavy games with them for sure. I mean, right. <laughs> when I just first got into the hobby, I went to a, uh, just a random game night and they were playing smash up and I sat down to play and I'd never heard of it. And that game took forever because the same deal. So everyone's got to read every card and all those other things. So, yeah, I just you just avoid those games, those types of games, and sometimes uh, those players when it with that type of game. So, I, I, and I think there there are better games than others to play. You you can definitely find games that are that are fun to play with people that do struggle with AP too. So if you if you uh, really enjoy you have a gaming partner that you really enjoy and you really want to be with them but the AP drives you crazy you know there are there are plenty of games out there to find that are fun to play that just don't trigger people's AP as much you know you can kind of plan out your turns a little better uh, there's more tactical play maybe kind of kind of like uh, Agra yeah oh yeah exactly <laughs> like Agra exactly <laughs> all right Jamie so hopefully that answers your question and speaking of questions we need more questions for the mailbag so uh, please go ahead and shoot us an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. We've been begging Chad's mom to give us some emails. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she is not responding anymore to his calls. She's blocked us on social media. That's right. She's done. She stopped listening to the show, actually, after, after I mean, I asked her to give that review. She put up a review on iTunes, basically one star. You shouldn't talk about people's moms so much. I don't <laughs> It was, I know, right? So I don't know, man. I think she's done, but other people, please give us questions. Yes. We'd love it. All right. So let's go on over to Clef's Kickstarter Corner. Okay, so this week in Clef's Kickstarter Corner, I am going to talk about the new game that just started on Kickstarter called Rurik. Rurik? Boy, I'm going to butcher a bunch of names here. <laughs> um, it's the, and it's subtitled there is The Dawn of Kiev. Yeah, hopefully I didn't butcher all that. Uh, it is a game from the de, a Russian designer. Oh, boy, Cordy. Kordzinski? It's uh, Stanislav Kordonsky, I think, hopefully. Yeah, that, that sounds that's right. exactly what I was about to say. And the Ukrainian artist... Yaroslav Radyeki. I That was about to come out of my mouth. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have gotten a chance to play this game. This was at, or I should say I've gotten to play a demo of this game. Uh, they had this game at Origins. And I sat down and, and got to play a little three-player game for, I don't know, maybe a third, maybe a half of the game. And it's a very unique auction, almost I would say auction programming game. 
And what's kind of neat is you have each person has meeples that have uh, numbers on them, one through five or say, say like that, depending on how many people are in the game. And when you place these meeples on kind of this auction board, you'll place them on different, like, you know, to get a resource here or to get a weapon or to go to this different land or move some troops or different things like that. And the cool thing is, is when you go to resolve this board, you resolve in the, so like the higher the number, I guess you can go to better spots, but the lower numbers will activate first. So you might be able to sneak something away from somebody before they get it, even if they have a higher number there and they were going to get more of it. It was very interesting. Uh, something I had never really seen in a, uh, in a kind of a Euro-y, it, kind of almost a hybrid. I, I would, I'm not saying this is a Kemet by any links of the imagination, but it had some of that same feel to me where it was kind of an area control out on the board and you're kind of moving around and trying to do different fighting. Um, but like I said, with this auction, uh, auction bidding or auction programming mechanic. Uh, so very interesting. And your, your basic point after that is, you know, you're trying to control different lands because if you rule different lands, you get better actions or have to, you know, you don't have to pay any money. If you don't rule the land, you have to pay some money. And then you're trying to complete different goals and, you know, like you'll have a secret goal. So then it's kind of just like a, like I said, an area control type of game, but talk about some components that look just absolutely stunning. This is a beautiful game. It's got, uh, you know, miniatures in it. It's got just some beautiful artwork. Um, Gosh, it's got an option for some metal coins, like in all the goods, like there's fish that look like fish and furs that look like furs, you know, they're just different that are just absolutely beautiful. So if any of that sounds like something you might be interested in, um, like I said, that is on Kickstarter as of July 10th, and it looks like it's going to be delivered uh, whew, boy, it looks like it's going to be a year before it's ready to go. That's uh, July of 2019. Uh, you can get the, the the basic version for just $69. Looks like the metal coins are an extra $20 for an add-on to that. But excellent looking game. Looks pretty cool. Sounds good to you. Go and check it out. That's Rurik. That's what I'm going with. So, all right. <laughs> and that is Club's Kickstarter Corner. Okay, so moving on to our discussion topic this week. I picked, because we're about halfway through the year here, I picked uh, our gaming New Year's resolutions and why we picked what we picked and kind of how we record plays. So that's that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I know everybody, I think, in this group kind of had different goals and sort of thing, things like that. But everybody, it's kind of a trend now to, to set goals with your board gaming plays, especially if you tend to play a lot. I, for one, uh, did a 10 for 10, and I can talk about that a little bit. I know you guys had different goals, too. Um, so let's just start. Richie, how are you doing on your on your New Year's goal? Share share with us, uh, A, what your, what your goal was and where you're at with that. Uh, definitely. So I didn't do the 10 by 10 just because I don't – it's hard for me to get a game to the table 10 times. 
that I'm interested. It's usually like a party game that I'm getting to the table 10 times. So I did a mm-hmm. 33 by three. So I'm still getting in uh, 99 plays, but that's more realistic for me to, and I can do heavier games that way as well. And I'm doing actually pretty good. I'm 71% uh, complete. So I've got 28 plays left in 174 days. So cool. So yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that. And there's a couple on there that I'm going to need help with cuz uh like Pulsar, I don't own that <laughs> because you two do. Okay. So we're going to have to get yeah. that to the table. Oh, I'll help yep. you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh Merlin, I'm still waiting for cuz I don't know our if it's actually going to be uh available uh outside of Gen Con. I think it I don't know if it's actually going to be to sent to distributors at the, at the Gen Con release. Okay. I think it's going to be the same deal. I read somewhere it might be till October. So wow. Clef, right. you're going to have to help me out there. Again. Okay. <laughs> and then that. Chad, uh, Matai <laughs> and I, I've got zero plays. and I. That's a travesty. I know. I, my friend. we got to rectify that, and I, I want to get the expansion plays. Okay. I'm down. I am totally down. All right. So those are that's my goals. Uh, Clef, what are you uh, striving for? Two goals. I, once again, like you said, me doing a 10 for 10 is just not realistic with as many games and as many new games that have come out for me at least. So when I set my goal, I did a 20 by three. So I picked 20 games that uh, I was going to try to play three times. And when I picked those games, I kind of picked games that I know I don't always pull to the table. You know, like I'm not going to pick, you know, Lorenzo or Marco Polo or something that I know I get to the table enough. I tried to pick out some games that definitely were a little more obscure. Uh, some I'm not doing too bad on. And then some, uh, like you, Richie, I've I've got zero plays. Well, one is that is, oh boy, is just going to be the toughest, is The Colonist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have yet to get that one to the table. And, oh, boy, I don't even know how you count a play of that. And then uh, trying to think, I had another couple of games that, uh, yeah, that I'm just not even – anywhere close. So I got a, got a few that I got to work on my, then I also set just an overall year goal. And this is probably going to be, you know, a little bit higher than maybe some people's goal are, but I set my goal for the year to be 720 games played. Oof. Um, That's ambitious. Yeah. It, well, it is, but uh, so that averages out to about 60 games a month. And right now, as of today, uh, July 10th, I am at 417 plays. And we're a little bit now half over, so I am, I am actually above uh, my goal. I'm, I'm setting I'm, – I'm running above it nice. right now. So wow. as, lo- as long as I don't, uh, you know, get brain damage or something by the end of the year, I should be good. <laughs> well, that's – yeah. Thank goodness for small wonders. I'll, I'll have my fingers crossed for you, but It's probably – How about you, Chad? It's probably all those plays of the mind that you're squeezing in yeah. there that's helping you out. So Zero plays of the mind. Uh, um, and I did not count my one activity of happy salmon. Okay. All right. Jake. Fair enough. Right. Uh, I, I will say I did do a 10 for 10. Now, there's a couple reasons I did a 10 for 10. It would have been smarter for me to do what you guys did and did a three by however many, uh, because that's usually my play style. I like picking apart. Uh, new games and seeing how they work and then moving on to the next one. And that's one of the reasons that we kind of have a podcast. We like 
we like delving into new stuff and we're a little bit cult of the new and all that that stuff. But I wanted to go back realizing what my tendencies are and delve into deeper strategies in games and kind of try to really become sort of the chess expert, so to speak, at a couple of games that I felt like warranted that kind of a thing. There are some lighter games on here too that I just knew that I'd get played with my family. But for example, I have uh, I have Vinos in here, which I've only played once uh, this year, which again, I will use the word, it's a travesty. I've got four out of 10 plays on Russian Railroads because I have all the expansions for Russian Railroads. And that's that's good. I, I, I like that game. Um, I have Fields of Arl is on here and that hasn't been played at all, which is horrible because I have the new expansion and I'm desperate to play that. I have Agricola because my wife loves to just beat me up and down the street in Agricola. And so uh, we just haven't we just haven't played all that often. If we don't play with our son lately because she's so busy, then we haven't played. So that's sad that we haven't gotten that. And then, of course, I have Brass Lancashire, which, you know, if Roxley could get that game to me, then I could play it. But they do not ha they haven't gotten that game to me yet, which is a sad, sad story. But hopefully I've I've seen that it is the the freight is here. They're gonna start shipping any day now. So hopefully that'll get played. But yeah, my reasoning behind the whole deal is I wanted to I wanted to deep dive into some of these games and, and become more of an expert in strategy. Cause I tend towards more tactical gameplay anyway, just kind of let's push these buttons, see how this game works, you know, sort of thing. And I wanted to, I wanted to get better at that. So that was my reasoning. Now with you guys, how do you, you, you record all your plays, right? Everybody, I mean, that's how we're keeping track, but do you record, Richie, do you record your, your, I know you play online more than, than Clef and I do. We, we very rarely play online if at all, but do you record your online plays? How does that work for you? I record them separately. Um, and I guess the reason I record them separately is just cause I want, I like that, you know, when I go through, so basically I keep my in-person plays on my cell phone because I usually have my cell phone with me when I'm doing that. And then everything else, I, I actually have a separate BGG account that just tracks my online plays. And I keep that on my iPad <clears throat> as far as for tracking. And just when I go through my cell phone, I can, you know, just look at the games and the dates and I, the, you know, the flood of memories come back. So those I can remember for the online games, I mainly do that to get to know games. So like you were saying, Chad, where you want to get like that chess like, uh, you know, expertise in a, in a particular game, uh, you know, games like Nippon in real life, I've played twice and I don't even think I've played my copy. But online, I've played it about 50, 60 times. So, oh, man. Wow. So, you, you know. Never playing a game of Nippon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and so I love that about playing online. And if there's any listeners out there that are on Yukata, uh, you or Board Game Arena, uh, you know, go to the guild and put your username in there. Because, you know, I, I usually have on each site, I probably usually have 10 to 15 games going. Wow. Cool. So yeah, uh, what about you, Cliff? Yeah, I know you use board games, or and I use board game stats as far as for tracking purposes. Uh, now I will say I'm going to interrupt for a second. Yep. I will say a funny story. When Clef and I first met and started gaming together a, a few, I, I think like a couple of years ago, 
um, he would come over to my house with this notebook of paper that he'd pull out at the end of the night and he'd start scribbling stuff down and has his tongue hanging out and like looking <laughs> at the board and writing more stuff down. And I'm like, dude, what, what are you doing? And he'd say, oh, I'm writing all this down. See, I have this really big, I got this great Excel sheet that I enter all this stuff in at home. And I'm like, uh, you know, you know, there's an app. There's an app for that, buddy. <laughs> and so finally, he's he's um, amassed all those notebooks and kind of gotten those out of the way. And so Clef is using uh, a, a stats app, right? <laughs> yes, we're using stats app now. <laughs> As we discussed, maybe technology is not always uh, my forte. That's probably why I like board games, because it's cardboard. I don't have to deal That's with it. That's true. Technology. I get that. I get that. <laughs> uh, just to you know, touch on you know what Richie was saying, I, I if I do play a game online, which is very rare, uh, just it doesn't give me the same. It just doesn't give me the same feeling that I get when I'm sitting around with my friends and chatting and having a good time playing a board game. That's what I love so much about it. So if I do play a board game online, though, I don't enter that into my, for my stats. Absolutely, I would, if somebody said that they get that full experience and so they still want to enter in theirs, I think that's perfectly legitimate. Just for me, I don't do it. All mine are live plays uh, with other human bodies present. Yeah. And I, I get that. And like like we've said before, play what you dig, you know, do what you dig. This is a big hobby with room for every kind of thing that people want to do. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm the same as you that I kind of value my online, you know, I, I value my with with people times. I don't I don't really usually record those plays. Sometimes maybe I'll do a pass and play when we're out and I have the iPad. I might. I might include that if I do a pass and play with my son or my wife and son or something like that. But you know, it's weird. I don't. I don't count app plays though. Really? Yeah, I don't. And okay. I just realized even that. if you're with if yeah, but if you're with somebody, you don't count that too. So nope. like if you and Jessica are passing an app back and forth. Nope. I mean, we, I don't even know if we've ever done that. But okay. Yeah, I don't like Star Realms. Like I, I, uh-huh. you know, I play that on my phone. Just you know, if I'm sitting at the you know dentist office or whatever. Right. And, you know, and I actually play that with people that I know, like, you know, online. Uh, but no, I don't count that. That's weird. I don't know why. Okay. So you don't even count that in your online, like, you caught a no, type. No, I uh, don't. Stats. Nope. Oh, Mm-mm. all right. That is mm. interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, um, I think I think that we've kind of exhausted the topic. But, gentlemen, kind of help me out. Pull for me because, like I said, I'm at, I'm at 24% for the year. So <laughs> I have a lot of work to do here. And hopefully I'm going to be an expertise at like just, geez, at least one game maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe <not. laughs> but uh, I think that's it for our discussion topic. But if you guys have any further uh, ideas on that or, or want to talk about that further, you can uh, join our conversation on the Guild at uh, 3227. And now on to our featured review. Carthago is a medium to medium light Euro game that plays two to four players in around 60 to 90 minutes. Designed by Bernd Eisenstein and Ralph Bienert, you play over the course of three rounds with five actions in each round. 
Each action, you will play a corresponding card from your hand that matches the action that you just chose. With these actions, you will do different things like trade goods to get ships, you'll trade with the market to get different goods, or you will finance warships to go out to get other ships. You will also then have the opportunity to make achievements or add discs to a guild hall that will have a multiplier for you at the end of the game to score points. The player with the most victory points is the winner. So that's a pretty basic overview. So let's dig a little deeper into Carthago. So we'll start off with uh, Chad. What do you think of the components, uh, the artwork uh, that, that this game brings? Uh, I would say that the components are strictly standard Euro fare for the most part. Uh, I they You've got your standard wooden discs and you've got your cards. I do like that the the dock for the ships is out in the middle of the table, and that's kind of cool. It has a little bit of a thematic effect. You slot those cards in at an angle, which makes them feel more like ships, and that's kind of an interesting design. I did, the very first play I had, I was, I, I marveled a little bit at how clean the design on the multi-use cards were. I thought that those were uh, pretty, pretty easy to manage, and it was very clear about each card and what it did for the most part where i thought the iconography was lacking a little bit was the bonus scoring at the end of each round basically where you could put your discs on and score i can't remember what that's called but those icons and there were i guess three or four of them i think in the game the achievements that would come yes that's it sorry the achievements so there were a few of them in the game, and you'd see almost the same ones every time because there weren't, uh, there wasn't a lot of variability to them. But those, the iconography for those weren't always very clear, at least, or very intuitive, I would say. But overall, I pre- I thought it was pretty standard. Richie, what did you think? Yeah, like I said, the you know the the wooden pieces and stuff are just standard Eurofair, you know, the cylinder uh, disc and everything. Um, I, I actually really like the cardstock that he uses, the nice linen finish on the card. So I would say that that is a plus when it comes to the components. Uh, but overall, yeah, pretty standard. And I actually do like the artwork. I would say that that is also another another plus there. So, uh, Clef, what do you think? Love the cards. Very nice finish on them. Nice artwork. Draws you into, you know, for what theme you have for the game, it definitely draws me in. I agree with Chad. I like how it's set up with the, the dock in the middle and how you know, the ships are docked there. You know, yeah, you've got just regular discs and your workers just basically a little cylinder. But for this game, it brings you enough into the theme and it gives you that, you know, nice Euro type of mechanic. I think it's perfect. I would not have changed anything. I think you, if, if you would have done too much in this game, it just would have overdid it. So I think the it's very, very good. Uh, Chad, what was your thoughts on variability? I've had about four or five plays at this game now. Uh, I, I like it. I definitely like it. But I would say variability for me is on the lower end. That is to say that those achievement tiles at the end, there's only a handful of them. What is it? Maybe... Uh, six total that go out and maybe two more that you don't necessarily see every game. Is that correct? Uh, three, three that you don't see every game and six that go okay, out. There's nine sorry. total. Three for each age. Yep. yep. And, and then with the different ship cards that have the different powers and that sort of thing, there really isn't much as far as that goes. And we even played with that sort of promo 
expansion thing where you're shooting for those end goals uh, every turn or every, every round that you can kind of either choose to try to achieve your end goals and get a few more points out of them or pass them up and turn them in for an extra action, which can be which can be good. But even with those things, I still felt like this game was a little bit on the low side for variability. I would have liked to see a little bit more in the box. Now, I'm still saying that th- what this game has in gameplay is 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 a, still a great value. But as far as the variability, I think that's where it's lacking for me. What about you, Richie? Yeah, I would have to agree. It's the achievements, th- there needs to be more. Just straight up more. There needs to be just some more interesting ones. Because since you're only leaving out one each game, you play that game a couple times, you've seen them all. That needs to be uh, addressed. And definitely the ship powers. I would love to see more ship powers. Would make that a, a lot more interesting. I think if those two things were there, if you just added in a few more ships and some more achievements, then it, it would be you know solid variability. But... Without that, it, it is kind of, you know, average to below average variability. What about you, Clef? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. I would like to see some more achievement tiles. The thing that Chad was talking about was just a, a promo thing that they were giving away at Origins. And that really, you know, they're just little cardboard chits that you can try to go for, like a goal for the end of the game. But it really still didn't add a lot of variability. You're still kind of mainly doing the same thing now. Don't get me wrong, the same thing in this game is just fine. It would just be something that I would like to see down the road. Talk about a game that I would think would be a great expansion, adding some different ships with some different powers, and definitely adding some different achievement tiles, I think would go a long way to uh, making this great game an even better game. Okay, so overall, what about the gameplay, Richie? What do you think of the gameplay? I love the gameplay. It's super tight, as we said. The action selection where you have to play down a card, and if... Someone else is on that space. You have to play another card. It, it doesn't seem like much, but in this game, those cards, they Ooh, go yeah. quick. And, you know, in the first round, you know, you may willy-nilly just go to another spot that has another person there. But when you get into that, you know, the second and, and third round, you really have to think about that. And a lot of times, you just can't do it. So I love that. I love that part of the gameplay. That's probably my favorite part of this game is just the fact that you only have five action each round. Each round. And you have to make everyone count. Mm. And, and Richie, what what happens when you uh, can't take an action? What do you <laughs> we don't do? need to talk about that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you pass. Yeah. Oh you boy. And to waste an action like that. Pass. To waste an action like that in this game is hard. Is hard. But I'll tell you what. If there was a swear jar when we were playing, I would have owed Richie a stake. I would have owed him a stake. <laughs> oh, because yeah. the other thing that makes this game tight, and that to me that's usually a good sign because it just means you're gritting your teeth, you're having to make hard decisions, and it's just so tight. That's the kind of game personally that I like. So the the way that you take these actions, you have to play a card down, but you also have to be able to put your discs out on the harbor or different areas like that. Well, to be able to put your discs out... You start out with three to be able to place, but soon those are placed and at different points on the board, whether they're the scoring endgame objectives, achievements, or those kinds of things, or it's out in the harbor waiting to take a ship. Pretty soon, you don't have any more action discs. You have to take more off your board, which also requires an action to take. So there are so many darn times where you are, oh, right, I'm playing this card down because I'm going to move here, and then I'm going to take that disc, and I'm, where's my disc? I don't have any discs. <laughs> oh! And it's just so frustrating. So, you know, 
it, but at the same time, like I said, it's tight. The, those are the, the hallmarks to me of good gameplay. So you're constantly having to look at yourself and slap yourself and go, yeah, plan better. Come on now, you know? So yep. it, it's, it's nice go. that way. And you can kind of look across the table once you've gotten better and see what people are going to do to themselves the next turn and sort of giggle to yourself, you know? Yep, I totally agree. What did you think about the gameplay? Oh, this is sweet, sweet gameplay to me. It's got a, a just some of the wonderful things that I love about a good Euro game. And that first word that, you, you know, you both have said so far, it's tight. You cannot make a mistake in this game and expect to win. You have got to play almost a perfect game while you're playing it. And that's the type of game I really, really like. Um, the You just can't even imagine until you play this game how quickly you can run out of cards and all of a sudden without cards, you're not taking actions. And as we just discussed, I mean, if you got a pass, that's hurtful. And uh, in fact, I the game the other day that I, that I played with the, you guys, I mean, I think I ended up having to pass like a couple of times or something. And uh, that just, uh, my game was done. I mean, there's just no yep. more to it. And I like the fact even eight games into it, I'm still like, I'm still not perfect. I mean, there's still moments that I'm like, Oh, you know, if you, get where you're kind of following somebody almost uh, it's, it's interesting on, you know, you can really lose some, uh, some cards quickly. And one thing I'll say about the gameplay, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in player account, but there's dummy discs when you don't play a full allotment of players. And so when you go to a space that has a dummy disc on it, you're still having to give up extra cards, which can really be hurtful. And I think that they made that really well with that uh, with that those dummy discs on the wheel. Uh, but overall, yeah, I, I think this is a great, great Euro game. I did have one question as far as how, how do you feel about, and this was bugging me a little bit the other day, when you do the harbor delivery action and you resolve the war dock, if, let's say, you know, me and you, Clef, we've, we've gone down that middle uh, path on the residence board, and we both have a military strength of five. And when you flip that card to see the ship that you're fighting, I mean, it, it's random. Uh -huh. So if you, you know, get lucky and you get, you know, the highest ship power is a six. So let's say you get, you know, you get a five or below and you get paid out from that. And then I go there and I flip the six and I don't, I don't have that, you know, that extra power that gives you the plus two. It just seems overly harsh as far as the punishment for that random element. yeah i know exactly what you're saying because certainly everything else in the game is is pretty yeah you know you can mitigate your your trade goods and all those other things so everything else in the game is is pretty solid without luck and i'll agree with you that is that's pretty lucky and when in the and obviously ships are multipliers at the end of the game and they give you powers, and they give you more money when you defeat them. So that is an issue that I, I definitely wish you had a little bit better. Where maybe, uh, and, and quite honestly, too, you know, I wish there was a uh, maybe one of the ships had a power that was like look at the top two ships that you go to fight oh, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. I like that idea. That'd be yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I, I'm really I, you know, speaking of, and and you know that's a great point too. But the ship powers that you get. There's like two or three of them that are like 
oh my goodness, phenomenal. Like the extra two military or the one that lets you trade in a different good when you go to your residence hall to get a disc off. Um, you know, they're pretty good. And then there's like two or three of them that are just, eh, like the one that lets you clear the market mm. cards eh. you know, the one that lets you move a ship out, you know, move the ship line down. It could be good for you, but a lot of games, it doesn't do a lot. I, I wish they would have made those ship powers maybe a little bit better. In fact, what there's one that, Oh, the one that lets you go back and put discs back uh, later in the ages yeah. for the, for, for the achievements. And that's like never, I've never seen anybody use that one. Never. I mean, it's either the discs are all full or, you know, you've already gotten your disc there anyway. So I, I, I wish those were a little bit better. I'll definitely say that. Yep. Okay. So what about player count? So Chad, you, you've played this now at uh, three and at four. What, what's your feelings on the, on the player counts with those two? Well, I had a friend who is a listener of the podcast as well, and he knew that we were going to review it and he was already itching to maybe get it. And he asked me about how it plays at different player counts. And I think you have already talked about it, but the dummy player really does a pretty good job of simulating a full game experience. So I haven't played it at two and you can speak to that in a second, but three feels a lot like four. The only difference is really with those, I can't remember what they're called. You've called them the manners or the houses or whatever, where you're trying to put your, your discs out on the board to score those end game points. That gets a lot tighter. Even though there's more spaces, it just feels like it's a lot tighter racing to those spaces at four players than at three even. So mm-hmm. what what would you guys say? Did you, Now, Richie, did you play it at two yet? Uh, yeah, I, I taught Jessica. Okay. Yeah, we got into a two-player game. With the action selection, yeah, it's, just, it's basically the same at every player count because you're basically playing, uh, you know, it's like you have four players out there at all times, which I like. Uh, because it, you know, it a lot of times in two-player games, or a lot of times in games where they have, you know, two-player on the box, a lot of times it feels, you know, too wide open. Like you can kind of avoid things or you know stay away from the other player. And in this game, you can't avoid those two dummy players because they also can't sit on the same action space. So you know, there's going to be two spaces where they're at uh, every time you go to take an action. And the dummy players are really manageable in this game. It's it's not a lot of upkeep or worrying about what you're doing. You just slide him over when he when he's on a space that somebody else is on, basically. So it's right. really easy to do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, the achievements is really the only place where I, I notice a big difference because in four players, those fill up quick. I mean, it may get around to you <laughs> on your first turn, and the you know first one is completely full already. So. I, I've, like I said, I've gotten it in quite a few times at three and four, and then I got a couple of plays in with my wife at two. Uh, and I'll say hands down though, I think the game is better at three and four player. And I'll tell you why. And I don't know, you know, obviously these people play tested the, these games a lot more than I have, but, and Richie, you can answer this, but in a two player game, the thing that I didn't like was the achievement tiles you never have to worry about ever rushing to an achievement tile because both people can go to each achievement That's tile. True. And two, the war harbor or the where you go to finance the war token, in any what well, doesn't matter if it's two player, three player, or four player, there's two spots out there. And in a three player and a four player game, especially, that you really have to watch and try to, you know, sneak your disc in there. 
But in a two-player, yeah, anytime that you want to go do that action, you just go do that action, and there's an open spot for your disc. Now, I, I, get, I could see you taking a strategy where you are going heavy on the war dock, and you because you can place multiple discs there. So, no, you can only have one disc in the war dock. Can you? I thought you could put more more than yeah, one. Yeah, you can only have. Or am I thinking nope, the market? Not or not the market. The uh, harbor. The harbor you can have like the trading harbor. Right. You can have multiple okay, of your that's discs. That's what I'm there. thinking of. But not in the wartime. Yeah. So it's so in a two player game you don't have to rush to get you know a disc into that war harbor, or you're never going to get locked out. Besides the dummy disc in the regular action spot. You put dummy discs on that uh, guild hall where you, you know, once again, it's just a multiplier basically at the end of the game. But I've never even thought that I've worried about those because most of the time I'm having to discard a couple of cards to go over there anyways. And so those never really affect me. But having the achievements wide open and the war thing, I almost wonder if, you know, having a dummy disc in one of the achievements, like maybe the, the two spot on the achievement, where then the five is the only spot that could be taken, that might be interesting, maybe make it a little bit tighter in that two-player game. I just don't feel it's as tight, I yeah. guess, in the two-player game with those two aspects. Yes, the dummy desks definitely still make it plenty tight, but, uh, you know, just a little bit uh, not as tight there with that. And the other thing I'll say, though, that I really liked about this game player count-wise is very nice playtime. I got a two-player game done with my wife in about 35 minutes. And for a nice, crunchy Euro game like that, that's a nice playtime. And I think our three-player game the other day maybe took us 45 minutes, maybe 50, about, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, mm -hmm. and some of that was, was slow playing, too, and grousing and mm -hmm. complaining and stuff like that. So <laughs> so, so I, I, that is one of the selling points of this game, again, is what you're what your time is for the decision space that you get. It's, it's a, it's yeah. a good equation. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what do you think about the cost for the game? So we, Richie and I both picked up a copy at origins for 35 bucks. Uh, has anybody checked to see what it, what it's uh, selling for at uh, miniature market or uh, miniature market has it on pre-order for 28, 20, 28 bucks. Okay. So, so around 30 to 35 was shipping. Um, obviously at your uh, friendly local game store, it might be a little bit, more, but I'm going to guess maybe at the 40 price range, I think maybe for MSRP. Uh, what do you think of the cost of that? I think it's a really great buy still for what you get. I think there's plenty of game there. I think that the time involved to play it means you're going to get to play it more probably. It's going to be, it is one of those games. In fact, it was the other night when we played it. It's one of those, hey, you guys, can we play this again? I want to play this again. Yep, let's do it. And you, yep. you know, you can play back to back games and, and still really enjoy it. So, I think that for what you get in the box, the decisions, the 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 card quality, as we talked about, it's a very economical price point and very fair and a, and a good buy. Yeah, definitely. It for the for the price. I mean, obviously, I bought it, so it, it's a good deal for what you're getting in the box. Uh, and even though you know there's some concerns about variability and whatnot, the fact that you can get the games in so quickly. It is so easy just to reset and play again. You, you'll get your money's worth very fast with this one. I totally agree. I mean, for 35 bucks already getting in eight plays of it, it you know, I've got, you know, basically zero plays of the colonist. And I spent like $90 on that. So, yeah, let's, <laughs> it's definitely worth the cost. Okay, so let's see how the punch boarders rated Cathargo. Richie, can you go over the punch board rating system for everybody? 
Sure, so we have a rating scale that goes from one to six. With a one, basically the game is trash. Throw it away, burn it, get rid of it, get it out of your house. And a six is a rare game for us, a Hall of Famer, a contender for our top game of all time. Uh, so Chad, what do you think? Well, I I struggled with this one because it's, it's right on the line for me. There were a lot of really great things. I don't own this game, but I have really enjoyed my plays of it. We came back from Origins and played it a bunch. And it was, I think all of us agree that it was one of our favorite games of Origins that we could buy anyway, certainly. And so I want to put this at a five it just doesn't quite get to five status it's right on the edge though it's a four it's a game worth owning i really like it and i'll usually play it in most situations it should be in the collection now it's not going to go into my collection right this moment probably because you guys both have it and you're who i'm going to primarily play this game with but if you guys didn't have it it would be no no question to to buy it so i i definitely think it's worth owning it's Really close to a five for me, which is a great game, possibly top ten for the year. It's hard to tell that, but it, it's it's edging really close. But I'm going to kind of keep it at a four for right now. I'd say probably some of the variability concerns are maybe what's holding it back, but it's still a great game. Man, I love the tightness. I love how much it makes me swear. And uh, so that's <laughs> that's my rating for Carthago, a four. What about, what about you, Richie? I'm going to echo a lot of things you said, and I – I was teetering between a five and a four. Ultimately, I'm going to end up at a four just because when it comes down to it, I don't know if it's going to be in my top 10 of the year because I know there's some things that I'm anticipating that would probably push it out of there. But it is something that, you know, it's not on my trade pile. It is a fantastic game. I will definitely play it if anyone suggests it uh, or, you know, just sets it up on the table. Uh, and I mean, Capstone Games is—they're getting to that level for me. Like, with what what's your game for me? Like, is an instant buy no matter what. And Capstone is is pretty much becoming that for me as far as the games that they're bringing over here. Uh, Agreed. This is a a fantastic game, and the tightness is perfect. The the game length is perfect. Uh, just those little variability things keep it from becoming a five for me. Uh, but, you know, if there's an expansion, uh, which I hope there will be, uh, that would definitely bump it up to a five. So uh, what about you, Clef? Well, I like this game. And I the moment I sat down and first started playing this game, it was one of those things that I knew it had the makings of a really great game for me. And basically, you know, I had the quick little demo, purchased it, you know, played it that weekend. We played it a couple times, you know, played it a couple times and I... And I just, every time I play it, I love the mental challenge. I love the tightness. I love everything about the game. I have the same concerns you guys do about the fact that the variability, like I said in just a moment ago, it's a little bit below average for variability. Uh, but I still feel like the replayability is still there and it's still a strong game. But ultimately, as much as I wanted to give this game a five, and I thought the other day there's no way I'm not giving it a five, I'm going to give it a 4.99. Can I I do that? Sure. Decimal points are okay. It is so close to a five. And, oh, boy, with some sort of an expansion or a little bit added to this game, it would jet to a five with no problem. 
it's still a consideration for me, I think, will be in a consideration for a top 10 game of the year. It's definitely not a game I'm ever going to get rid of. I think it's a solid game that I, I always want to have. And I definitely feel like if somebody said, hey, I want to play that game, I'm going to pull it out and want to play it. But it just doesn't quite crack that five for me. It's really, really, really close. So 4.99 for my rating <laughs> of Carthago. <laughs> okay, next time in episode 10, the punch boarders are going to do our Gen Con preview. Yeah, it's already time for that. And then we're going to draft our top games we prefer to play at two players. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. Bye now. Good night. Thanks for listening.